It's Friday, November 10th, 2017. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, today we continue our conversation with Kevin and Lynette Ezel, and specifically about how their adoption journey has helped them and mobilized them in the areas that they serve through the North American Mission Board, as well as advocating for other families. And and Kevin, I know that you have the great opportunity now to lead the North American Mission Board, and what a great opportunity and, and so many different things that uh, that NAM is doing here in the United States and, and throughout North America. And one of the, the most recent things, certainly, and, and I know this has been on your heart since taking over as the president of, of NAM, uh, is to get more churches engaged as a whole uh, for the orphan, the widow, and the needy. And I know you said something so poignant just a minute ago, which is we don't need to ever uh, force or coerce any pastor or any church to adopt, but you know, speak to pastors and, and speak to churches uh, that, you know, God doesn't just call us in his word to adopt, but he does call us to care for the poor, the needy, the orphan, and the widow. And just how Nam is getting into, uh, is, is engaging churches, especially throughout the Southern Baptist Convention, to care more for the poor and the needy and the widow in their midst. Sure. Well, there are over 46,000 Southern Baptist churches. and and so obviously that many pastors are really more. We set up a fund, uh, an adoption fund, uh, that, that helps Southern Baptist pastors and missionaries and church planners uh, adopt to help supplement that in, in a way. So that's one way. Um, and the other is just to provide uh, assistance and guidance through, we have what we call Send Relief. It's our Compassion Mercy Ministry area of making sure that they're informed and have the resources that they need um, to walk that path. And when they walk it, they're not walking it alone. And, you know, I feel like, uh, we have the platform now to get this in front of over 46,000 churches. And, and the thing about foster care, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty convinced poverty is going to be around for a while. It's hard for us to completely meet that need. Um, homelessness, it's, it's incredibly challenging trafficking. When it comes to foster care of all the compassion, the, the numbers you know, substantiate just in Georgia or Alabama, you pick a state, it's very doable if the church would take up uh, the banner of we're going to meet this need and eradicate it, we could take care of the foster care problem. The the, the churches are there uh, to do that. And that's what excites me most. This is a solvable problem if the church as a whole would arise to the occasion to meet the need. And so we're going to do everything we can to beat that drum and keep it in front of Southern Baptist churches, but not just Southern Baptist churches, of, of all evangelical churches, um, that this is something we can do and that we can meet and and uh, take care of and, and take the lead in. Well, I know you would echo this as well, being a pastor and then leading the North American Mission Board. And we've seen this here in the United States, but we've also seen it globally, just when churches do start to reach out for the for the less than in their community uh, in the United States for those kids that are in foster care and not just those kids in foster care, but the parents who lost their kids to foster care. 
it really opens up avenues for gospel advancement because what we see is, you know, the world's theology or the theology of other religions is that those that are less than, that are poor, that are needy are, are rubbish. But the theology of King Jesus is he takes the, the less than, which was us, and he makes us his children. And so it's such a, a gospel ethic and it's just a gospel movement. And certainly we don't want to encourage any church to care for the poor and the needy, the orphan and the widow uh, as, a, as a way to earn uh, their position or earn favor with the Lord, but as an overflow of everything that the Lord has done for us, because we were poor, we were needy, we were orphaned and we were widow, uh, widows before the grace of Christ came in us. And so just from both of you, uh, you know, there are churches that, that want to know how do they get started. And one of the beautiful things at Highview is that big, that just big tree that y'all have on the wall of all the families <laughs> that have fostered or adopted. And, you know, from a pastor or from, you know, a, a church that's just getting started, uh, it can be daunting to look at a church that has such a great reputation like Highview of caring for the orphan and the widow and its, and its, um, in its midst, just talk a little bit about how do you get started in this ministry? Because certainly you don't go from zero to 60. It's a long haul. How do you get, how does a church get started in caring for foster children and caring for orphans and widows? Well, I can jump in here. Um, as I was saying, I, the Lord just kind of led me to, um, to befriend a social worker and so I just started taking baby steps to just kind of get in her world and get in her office a little bit. It was one kind of, it's one kind of closer to our home. And so uh, you don't have to be in a defect office very long, uh, Department of Human Services very long, to see what they need. And so Restoring Dignity is a, uh, a ministry any church can get involved in to help with foster kids. It kind of came to fruition after seeing the plight of foster children in our area. And I just looked her in the eyes and I said, what do you need? And so the kids are removed from their homes so quickly. They have nothing but the clothes on their backs, right? And most of the time they're placed in a new school, looking tattered, embarrassed. And so Kevin and I found ourselves just seeing these individual needs and we were just running around buying and gathering clothes and kind of on a case by case basis. And that was good. But we felt it could be bigger and more efficient. Mm. And so with the support of the North American Mission Board and local churches, we rented a storage unit as close to this uh, defects building as possible. And we just meticulously just organized it. Tara Melber, my cohort in crime and I, we just kind of filled it with new clothing and rolling new suitcases so that when children are removed from their home, we're able to give them a packed suitcase containing brand new clothing for a whole week. And we took God's word inside that suitcase. And so we kind of want to, you know, remove, we want to bring them away from just a trash bag. And we want to restore their dignity as best we can as their family is in this crisis and they're separated from all that they've ever known. And they now have something to own, something to call mine. And then they have a personal copy of God's word. And I remember sitting across from the lead social worker one day, we were in a meeting, they began to trust us and realize that we really, we care just as some moms in the community. And one, the lead social worker looked me in the eye and she said, Lynette, I've been doing this over 20 years. And most foster children have never heard the name of Jesus other than in swearing. 
And if they're going to ever know him, it'll have to be because the church steps forward. Mm. And then that was life changing for me. Mm. Amen. I think as a pastor, one of the very easy, there's some easy steps uh, uh, to provide ways for them to, to assist. Um, as Lynette just shared also supplemental. I mean, some pastors, uh, they set aside a certain amount once a family has, um, had been approved to assist them in some way, um, financially and, and just do some very practical ways to undergird foster families, um, Mm -hmm. and encouraging people to give respite and to get approved to do all that. There's just some, uh, you know, gift cards. You can be, you can be involved in it. It's very, very easy to do. And I mean, most pastors, you know, they're involved in filling shoe boxes and sending them to countries, kids that they'll never, ever know. It's just a fantastic thing. Uh, but they also can be involved in uh, assisting some children that they will. And we just got uh, email this morning, uh, Lynette and I did from a, a pastor or from a, a new family that just became a foster family and and their teenage son the the foster child was a greeter yesterday at one of the churches yeah. uh, but but and it, it's just it's such a quick transformation involvement in the church yeah. when that child in one week's time uh, where he was a week ago from where he is now i mean it's just transformational and so to see pastors it's really not that hard you don't have to have the guilt of doing it yourself you can lead someone else or but you just got to give people the freedom to own it and to look for those small practical ways of of connecting. And we cannot turn our head and not be involved. That's not an option. And they're real simple. Ultimately, you can go to sendrelief.org or net, and there's some real simple PDFs uh, that we have there to help you look for first steps. Amen. Well, I know a friend, a mutual friend of ours, Tony Morita, was a pastor at Temple Baptist for many years. And really also cultivated a adoption and foster care community and kind of full circle in that uh, just to encourage what Kevin and Lynette are saying for churches is I was actually at a church in Columbus, Georgia yesterday and was with a, a member who had just moved recently from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, where Temple was now into Columbus, Georgia. And we were at a church service together and a young man came up and went, came up to us and said, to this other couple, I don't know if you remember me, but I was one of the kids that was ministered to the Temple Baptist. I'm following the Lord and I'm in wow. Mary, and here I am now at church. And so I think it's just <laughs> so important that we put our lives on display. And, and Kevin, I, I guess just in closing, um, you are obviously very well respected uh, in evangelical circles and especially as being a proclaimer of the gospel and uh, just a clear speaker of, of gospel truth and a gospel ethic. And a lot of times, and I know that example that I just gave kind of even shows this, but a lot of times churches are worried about the mixture of a social justice, diluting the power of the proclamation of the gospel. But can you just, you know, maybe briefly talk about how actually when we, when we engage in these ways that it illuminates the proclamation of the word? Absolutely. Just like when, when Jesus said, Hey, Hey, look, when, uh, when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. And Mm -hmm. when I was naked, you clothed me. And they're like, well, when did we do that? And he said, you know, when you, uh, and some people take that passage out of context, when you, when you do it to the least of these, you've done it to me. I mean, 
Jesus is the very best example of seeing needs and meeting needs and, and making it a priority instead of just an additional thing that we do, you know, and that's what I encourage pastors constantly. Look, this is a priority. It's not, this is a, it is about the gospel. It's not about giving you some type of mercy, compassion, ministry covering out there. So the people think you're, you're that way. It should be the very center of what we're doing to proclaim the gospel. I mean, it's a picture as you said earlier, of, of what Christ has done for us. And, and so, um, you know, the, 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 I think for, I know in, in my denomination years ago, uh, people equated compassion, mercy ministries with being liberal. And so they ran from it and they overcorrected and have gone too far. And we've got to come back not only in the mercy, compassion, but but also in in the social justice uh, arena. I mean, we've got to confront these things and not put our head in the sand. And pastors have the opportunity to lead, and we just got to one step at a time, take the lead, do the right thing. And it may cost us some people. Man, not everybody's for taking care of kids. They wouldn't say that, but they're just not for it. Not everybody's for um, a black person coming to their church, but they're going to have to get over it. And pastors are going to have to have the courage to let the people who don't appreciate it leave their church. It's, you know, you've got to do the right thing regardless. And Jesus set that example and we, we need to follow it. Amen. Well, I thank you both for your leadership uh, in the church and not just in the local church, but in the church global and especially in North America. And I thank you for the way that you have just allowed your family to be uh, just a, a shining light of the gospel as you care for others. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.